there. We're back with a bonus episode of Warehouse 13, the pilot. Our new podcast, The 13th Warehouse, will begin publishing in August with this episode, but we figured we would give our Eureka followers a first listen so that maybe you'll come over and follow The 13th Warehouse as well. Do not unfollow the Eureka podcast because we will be back with a bonus episode of the comic book, hopefully more than one comic book, but definitely the first comic book. So follow us on Podbean or on our website for the 13th Warehouse coming in August and continue following us on Yeah, That Can't Be Good for bonus episodes of anything we come across that is in any way related to Eureka. So thanks for joining us. Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And this is Doug with the IMDB Synopsis. Season 1, Episode 1, Pilot. After preparing a museum in D.C. for a presidential visit, two Secret Service agents are transferred to an isolated Warehouse 13 in South Dakota, where Artie sends them to Iowa to collect a supernatural artifact from a law school student. Created by Brent Moat and Jane Espenson, teleplayed by Brent Moat, Jane Espenson and David Simpkins, story by Brent Moat and Jane Espenson, and participating writer Rockney S. O'Bannon, directed by Jace Alexander, original air date July 7th, 2009. Hi there. During this episode, you'll hear about how we're recording remotely due to the virus. Unfortunately, the method we used for this episode didn't go so well. So if you can get yourself through this episode, the future episodes will be clearer. They'll still be remote, but they will be clearer than this episode. Thanks. Right this way. It's Mary. Mr. Latimer. Welcome to Warehouse 13. All right. As we heard in the synopsis, this is Warehouse 13, Episode 1, the pilot called Warehouse. Kim, I, I never asked you... I know that during the Eureka podcast, you said you watched Warehouse. Have you watched the whole thing all the way through yet? Yes, I watched it until the end. So that was like maybe a year ago. Okay. This is only my second time through. And I realized when I was watching the pilot that I remember not a lot of things. So this is almost going to be like watching it for the first time for me. Me too. I had to watch the pilot twice. Yeah, (laughs) me too. I mean, once I saw it, I remembered, but... There's a lot of things I don't remember, so this is kind of going to be like um, the first time through for me, like it was for you and Eureka. And when I watched yeah. it, it was years ago, so I even have less of a memory than you might have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also I just want to say to everybody that Kim and I are recording this in June, and we're still <laughs> in the midst of COVID-19. We're going to try to get as many episodes recorded before we start publishing them in August, but we just want to apologize ahead of time for the audio quality because we are recording remotely until whatever is going to happen here. And then hopefully sometime in the future, things will open up and we will be able to record in person again. I know right now in June, a lot of states are open, but we're not. Yeah. And we just hit phase two yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we don't know how that's going to go. We, we're not sure if it's just going to make everything worse. Yeah. Like all those other states. So we're still quarantined. 
pretty much. Just bear with us for with the audio until this is all over, and then we could start um, recording in person again. So I did remember that Pete and Micah don't get along even before they were warehouse agents. As Secret Service agents, they didn't get along. Pete mentions his vibes, which I totally forgot about. Oh, yeah. And even though Micah doesn't believe in his vibes, she feels the need to double-check everything after he says that. I don't really understand. Why did Pete remove the artifact, the bloodstone? Because it was bleeding. When he first walked in, he tried to tell Micah that he had a vibe, and she blew him off. So when he was walking and looking, he noticed the bloodstone bleeding. And that's when he grabbed it, and I'm thinking the vibes or his intuition told him to just grab it and get it out of there. And that's what I'm thinking he did. Because I, I didn't know where, where, where he was bringing it, because they never actually told us, because Artie intervened and took it. But I was I was like, so where did where was he going to take it? He wasn't a part of the warehouse at that point. And did he think it was a bomb? or what? what I, I wasn't sure what was happening. To me, he just wanted to get it out of the way and away from people. But that's when Artie stepped in. But you know he didn't know it was Artie then. But he tripped and it rolled. Artie put it in the bag and voila. So the, I was a little confused about that. And then I totally forgot because they, after the artifact goes missing and they think he took it, his boss, and I can't think of his name right now, uh, Dickinson, Dickinson, yes. He wants Pete to pee in a cup and I totally forgot that he was an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. I, yeah they said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So Pete gets reassigned to the to the warehouse. And I think he thinks it's a punishment for stealing the artifact, right? Yeah, they both do. Yeah, they, yeah, both, they do. both think it's a punishment. But Micah doesn't know what, why she's being punished. Because we know Pete's an alcoholic and Micah said something about Denver and you know something's bothering her about Denver. So I thought Mrs. Fredericks picked them because they were damaged. But later on when Artie's telling Mrs. Fredericks are you sure these are the right people? And she says, I'm aware of their baggage. It feels like she picked them despite their baggage, despite their damage. They must have some, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They must have some qualities that make them more susceptible to, not susceptible. Well, all right, I'll say that. More susceptible to the artifacts. I don't know. I'm getting that we're one week, the other one stronger because he has the vibe. She's into detail. Yeah, uh, well, to put it plainly, uh, you're both joining me as fellow gatherers and protectors of secrets. Put it plainer. Uh, this, this warehouse... Well, look, the warehouse needs you. It needs... Pete, don't touch. It needs your combined talents. I mean, he's intuitive and you're, you've got a scrupulous eye for detail. He's scattershot, you see, and you're meticulous. You look, he leaps. There's been a mistake. I'm too valuable to be wasted here. But certain things that I understand why she wasn't into details, when she was in the warehouse and the the wallet slipped or certain things she's not aware of, I think maybe because she was so defensive, right. she wasn't paying attention. But when she is paying attention, she really is paying attention. They're watching. Oh, I agree. She notices everything. Right. And, but once she comes off the defense, you know, as it started getting further around into, you know, the first episode, then it starts to kick in. Everything starts to starting to kick in. She's paying attention. She's watching. She's listening. You know, even off of his vibe, even when they talked about, like, the heat, feeling it. So now they're actually conversating with each other. Before, they weren't even in the beginning conversating with each other. There's no communication. They right. They just added. 
And then it was funny because when Pete was standing outside the warehouse when he first arrived, and I can't, don't tell me if you remember, but I don't remember what the football is all about, but I did remember it. And I did wonder if it was going to show up and it did. Yeah, I forgot what it's about. But cookies are uh, enough to get Pete to go into the warehouse. Come on, come inside. I'm going to show you around. Around what? What am I doing here? Well, I'll explain everything inside. Come on. I made cookies. Ooh. If you offer him cookies, he's going to go in. Yeah, but Pete, to me, he's a big kid. So you offer me cookies, I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Right. And he wasn't so annoying in this episode, but... There was a couple episodes um, when we were doing Eureka that Skip and I did bonus Warehouse 13 episodes for the Eureka podcast. Uh And and I remember saying to him that, although he wasn't really bad in this episode, but he's annoying. Yeah. He's just annoying all the time. He's on a cocky side. He's got a cocky attitude. Yeah. Like everything's a joke. Everything. Not so much in this episode. But as we move on, he's never serious. Yeah, you know, and she's serious. All yes, the time. Yeah. well, she's too serious, but he's never serious. Even when bad yeah. things happen, when you think he's going to be sad or whatever, he's not. He's making jokes. It kind of drives yeah. him crazy. And also, Micah mentioned she doesn't eat sugars, and I think we hear that more than once throughout the series. I don't know why. Yeah, I think that's indicate when she picked up that cookie and ate it. Oh yeah, huh? I forgot. I didn't even notice that. That's right. But I think she ate it after she heard "Hi, Bunny." Right. When they go through their tour with Artie, first Artie makes them have their hands on the cart to make it run. But then at the end, you see him unhooking a battery and running the cart by himself. So I don't really understand that was supposed to mean something. I was trying to pay attention when he was on it by himself. Right. He unhooked the jumper cables and he rode it by himself. But when he was taking Micah and Pete around, he told them that they had to have their hands on the bars because that's what was making the car run. Yeah. Both hands on the bar, please. I think I'll survive a crash. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, no, uh, that's not a safety bar. It's a conduit. You and Pete are the power source. Your combined electrical energy makes this thing move. It's fine. It's fine. Look, Thomas Edison built this automobile for Henry Ford as a proof of concept, and it's perfectly safe. Trust me. Put your hands on the bar. Put your hands on the bar. (sighs) Thank you. We need both of you. Hands on the bar. Like that. Thank you. I think it's because of teamwork. He wanted them to be a team to make things work. That sometimes you're going to have to join forces to make things work. I missed that totally. I just couldn't figure out why he told them he had, they had to keep their hands yeah. on it and then he could ride it himself. That's deep. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they're taking that tour, Artie says that Pete and Micah are predisposed to interact with the artifacts. So I imagine that's why they're chosen. It's like you said, it's not because they're damaged. They both have different skills. But you know what was weird to me? Artie never actually explained totally what they were doing. He was very vague about everything. You know, when they say what's in this warehouse, he says, oh, this and that. Like he never goes into detail about exactly what they're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, he does. And even when they get to the bed and breakfast, Lena She looks at Artie in a way which probably is not right the way I've taken it, but she almost makes us think that she thinks Artie's telling them too much. But they're supposed to be working with the warehouse. So why is everything so vague? See, now I got the opposite of what I thought she was telling him. I I was getting that, why aren't you telling them enough? You're not telling them enough. That's what I got. My feedback was, like, Artie, you're not telling them enough. Oh, 
that would make more sense because none of this made sense to me is why they're supposed to be working in the warehouse and nobody's telling them really what they're doing. Right. That was almost my feedback to where she wanted to say something, but actually it's kind of Artie's job to tell them what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's that's a thought. And I don't, to me, it seemed that, you know, the look was like, Artie, you're not telling them enough. You need to tell them more. Okay, that makes sense to me. Like, how could they be working if nobody's telling them anything? And and you're right. Maybe that's what she was doing. So now, Houdini's wallet. Apparently, that really didn't have anything to do with anything except that's why Micah saw her old boyfriend, right? Yeah. And because when they found it in her room and they threw it in the goo or whatever they do, already said that there was something, the spark wasn't right, so it had already touched her it had already uh started doing whatever it's supposed to do right yeah mm-hmm. and that's probably why she saw him in the hospital too yeah i think it could have touched the picture that she was carrying in her pocketbook oh maybe yeah i'm still trying to figure out why she was carrying the pocketbook but nevertheless <laughs> i know so i would have left the pocketbook what you carrying the pocketbook around for i know put your phone in your pocket you got your gun you got your badge right what do you need your pocketbook for you're an agent why are you carrying a pocketbook <laughs> <laughs> True. So we know that Pete has baggage. He's an alcoholic, probably other baggage. We know Micah's baggage is something about Denver, which we kind of get little bits and pieces throughout the show that I guess she was in charge of something and her boyfriend got killed, except that whatever she was in charge in was a success, even though her boyfriend got killed. She apparently has guilt about that. Although it sounds like she doesn't have a great relationship with her father either. Yeah, that is. So you, yeah, because they're having something that she doesn't care. She's like, oh, he wouldn't even notice if I was there or not. Yeah. And then we see Artie's office that looks like a serial killer's nest. <laughs> or one of those, <laughs> you know, obsessive cops that won't give up on a case. And t- he looks like an old bachelor. That's what the place looks like. True. An old bachelor lives there. True. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I kept on saying is it seemed like there's people missing. But then I keep on thinking that I get across with another show. But I don't know why I keep on thinking there's more people than just the four of them. Um, there will be. Okay, so all right. There That's will why I got, because I was like, wait a minute, there's not enough. And then I'm going, well, has it been a while since you really, really watched this? I could have sworn there's more people. Yeah, there will be. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I do remember that much. <laughs> but- okay. So I guess, you know, it does start to pick up and then... One thing I liked about was uh, with Miss Frederick in the picture. Yeah, she looks and, the same. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, I like her as a rule anyway. I like the actress, but I like her character. You know, she's yeah. kind of scary. She appears out of nowhere. I like the sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> and she's frightening. Yeah. He's like one word and that's it. Mr. Latimer, my name's Frederick. Frederick what? Mrs. Frederick. Well, that's a relief. I'm with the government. I'm here on a matter of national security. What's that? An invitation to endless wonder. Okay. Could you sound a little more creepy? Read it. Please note the action code. It is legitimate. You're part of my bailiwick now. Your bailiwick? You're working for me. For you. Am I stuttering? No, ma'am. This is Dickinson being funny, right? Do I look like a joke? We haven't met. I'm Mrs. Frederick. How'd you get in here? Through a door. Warehouse 13. Is it yours? It's mine. 
and so are Latimer and Baring. Mm-hmm, I like her in the sidekick. Yeah, is he always her sidekick? I don't even remember. Do you? I don't remember. Well, I guess but maybe it's been longer since I actually watched it. Because we were doing Eureka for what? You said two years? Two, two years, yeah. To be before that. So it has to be at least three years ago I watched okay. it. Okay. I think Eureka maybe just ended when I started watching Warehouse 13. Well, I don't know if you know this, but Doug Gramley knows this. I, I always have a problem with actors. If I don't like them in one thing, then I'm not going to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> <They're in. laughs> so, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I know, but I do it all the time. So it took me a long time to watch Warehouse 13 because of Micah. I don't know if you ever watched Jeremiah. No. But it was like a post-apocalyptic show that all the adults died of what they called the big death, which left all the kids Luke Perry was Jeremiah, and Malcolm Jamal Warner, he was a regular, and then they had Sean Astin, I think, in the second series. But the whole thing was about Luke Perry, he believed that his parents were still alive, and they survived the big death, and they were somewhere in the Valhalla sector, and he was trying to get there. And all that was left on Earth were the kids that survived the big death, who are now growing into young adults. But Micah was a reoccurring character. And her name was Liberty, I think. Okay. She turned out to be the bad guy. So I never wanted to watch Warehouse 13 because of her, which is dumb. But that's what I do. <laughs> so I'm weird like that. So it took me a long time to watch Warehouse 13. And then when I did, I binge watched it because it was almost done. So I don't remember a lot at all. So, But you watched Warehouse 13 before Eureka, right? Yeah. I think that may have brought me to Eureka. I'm not positively sure. Okay, I do have a question, though. The uh, name of the town was Leaving? I, you know, twice I meant to go back and look at that sign. Because first I thought, you know how you see those signs where you're leaving somewhere? Yeah. They had a town underneath it. It's not like saying you're leaving the town of Weathersfield. It said Leaving. Right, and then it said something about unincorporated underneath it. And I meant to go back yeah. twice and look at that again, and I, I forgot. So maybe... Maybe that's the town's name. I don't know. Yeah, I was curious. I was like, why is it just saying leaving? It's not leaving where? I know you're leaving, but where am I leaving from? And I think the only other thing was Arnie's uh, zip line, and that was funny. That was funny, but that can't be the only way to get across the warehouse. I don't remember, but do we ever see him do that again? Um, well, that's part of me want to say yeah. Yeah? Part of me wants to say yes, and I want to say there's other ways that they do get around at right. the warehouse. Because then what do you do when you get there? You can't zip line back. Well, that was a ticket, too. He's running back, and then he falls down and says, I need to lose some weight. Right. And he's carrying the picture back, so I, I don't understand. You know, I mean, there's a lot that's kind of unsaid. Right. So secondly, wouldn't you just drive down there, pick up the picture, and then bring it back? Yeah, that's what I thought. Like we said before, later on, we see him driving the cart, unless the cart doesn't go fast enough. You know, apparently the warehouse is huge, but still gets all the way there and finds this painting. So we're led to believe this whole time that this is all about a painting because the professor, Michael Boatman, went to Italy. And then even when he was talking to the blonde person that we're led to believe is Emily, which it, it wasn't, there were paintings behind him on the screen. So we were kind of led yeah. to believe this is all about a painting. Which it kind of was, but it, they weren't looking for a painting. And I think that's what they were trying to make us think. You know, because he goes down and finds the painting of Lucretia Borga. But they're looking for mm. the comb from the painting. But we don't know that. 
actually Micah and Pete figure that out before Artie even tells them. Right, yeah, they did. But they don't know the story behind it. Artie tells them about Lucretia Borga. Borgia. What do you mean the poem's <coughs> transmitting? It's an, an alchemist made it, okay? Out of what? I don't know. It's supposed to be some kind of Renaissance roofie. Somehow, the crystals and the ionized metal in this thing are affecting brain chemistry. What about the phrase? Yeah, the phrase. Okay, that, that, that's like a, a, some kind of phonetic trigger. This is a very, very, very unhappy woman. Very unlucky in love. There's supposed to be a jewelry box. We found it in, in Marzano's office. He must have given Soliday the comb. Like her, she wants love at any cost. She wants love, and she's going to kill her to get it. Even though they were given no information, they kind of caught on. Pete opens up the book and sees that space and notices the comb in the, in the lady's hair. Oh, there was a phrase, too, when you open up the book, too, that the kids spoke. And apparently this phrase was a trigger. Mm-hmm. So Cody spoke this phrase, and he hit his girlfriend. I imagine that's because the lawyer right. wanted her out of the way. Then the professor spoke the phrase and lit himself on fire because he wanted to take the comb back. He understood what was going on. I, uh, I, I know this is awkward and I feel terrible, but uh, you can't keep it. I, I don't know what I was thinking, even taking it out of Italy, but it has to go back. I'm going to Rome next week. And that's coming with me. She shed blood and all this other kind of stuff. Then I got her. I said, okay. So she was just kind of being possessed for herself, but the other one was coming in too. To, yeah, she wanted to protect this Cody. Mm-hmm. So I guess if they let it all go and let her do whatever she was going to do at that party, it could start a bloody reign of terror, not just for the people that were around her, but for everybody, right? Right. You've got to stop this woman. Lucretia Borgia 600 years ago started a bloody reign of terror, and, and this comb is going to want to start it all over again. It's got twisted desires, and it'll amplify, it'll spread like some kind of uh, orgiastic virus. First to Iowa, then to Nebraska, then we to understand. Illinois, probably first to Illinois, and then... Again, Denver comes up when the lawyer, I can't think of her name, uses Denver to cast Micah into this whole spell thing that she's doing. So I guess whatever happened in Denver really, really weighs on her. Pete has to use the Tesla on her because she's going to shoot herself in the head. And now we find out that the Tesla, I mean, it's kind of worthless. She used it once and then it has to recharge is what it seemed like. Yeah. He couldn't seem to use it again on the kid. I'm sitting there saying, well, why are they just standing there pointing guns at each other? Just Tesla him. You're not going to kill him. Yeah, too. no, Because no. he didn't kill Micah. He knew he wasn't killing him. So they're standing there holding guns at each other. And then when he finally does, the thing doesn't work because I guess it needs time to recharge. Could be. But, you know, the other thing, too, with Tesla, as far as history, and this is basically also like a history lesson, I never knew about Tesla. And just recently, like in the last, I say maybe the last few years, you know, with the car and stuff like that and the history. And then I think I watched a documentary on him and I'm going, really? And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, how come they're not giving this guy the credit that he really right. deserves? So it's like what history leaves out. And I said, and technically this is kind of like a history lesson too. And it's just, you know, certain things reconfirmed because when he said Tesla, I'm going, yeah, because you know what? He didn't get the recognition. I, and I don't know if you remember because I said something about that in the Eureka podcast because one of mm-hmm. the one of the guest stars I can't remember his name now but in Eureka he was the guest star and he played Doctor Edison. Oh, 
maybe that's where. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the show Sanctuary, he's a regular character and he plays Nikola Tesla. I thought that was funny. I, I don't know if they did that on purpose in the show and named him Edison when he plays Tesla in Sanctuary. I just thought it was yeah. funny at the time. I want to say it might be a reference in a Doctor Who theory. In one of the episodes, I want to say, Tesla's in, comes into play. There might be. I really need to go back and rewatch everything because it's been years since yeah. I watched the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I got to go start all over again, be back with uh, Eccleston, because I can't remember anything. And I only watched one season with Peter Capaldi, and then I stopped. At the end, unless you have more notes. No. So at the end, you remembered the guy's name before. What's his name? Dickinson? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Dickinson calls Micah and says that she has five minutes to make a decision about whether she's going to go back. But the only stipulation is that Pete has to stay at the warehouse. So here's the deal. You got a choice. You can come back to D.C. or you can stay with a new assignment. What's the catch? I only get you. Latimer has to stay there. And if I stay, what happens to Pete? He still stays. How long do I have to think about it? About five more seconds. Four, three, two. You could see towards the end of the episode that they started to bond a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, from the beginning where they couldn't stand each other. But I didn't really think it was enough for her to decide to stay there. The only thing I kept on thinking while she was thinking it over is that even though if she would have stayed in, in at the White House or whatever, wherever she was going, it would have still been mundane. What are you really doing? Security. You know what I mean? It's basically what you're doing is security. Here, it's security, but it's on a hunt. Because you're now you're making sure the whole world is secure. You are going to different places. Maybe she's starting to realize or wants to understand more or wants the adventure. That's the only other thing I can think of because it's a great thrill to be at the White House, but yeah, you're at the White House. That's it. True. Um, yeah, it's going to be dangerous. So far, you're going to different places. You know, you never know where the adventure or what the next, and you and it's like um, hide and seek. You know, you gotta you got a picture, you gotta find out where the Adams at. Yeah, maybe that's why. Because for me, when I was watching it, it looked like. When she found out that Pete was going to have to stay there, that's what turned mm-hmm. changed her mind. And although I do think they did bond during the episode. Yeah, I believe they did because she realized that he protected her. He felt it. Right. You know, so he was like, he protected her, you know, when it's the death. I, I feel that she, like you said, with the bonding, she feels like she's in good hands and yeah. she feels like she can... You know, this, they kind of depend on him. You know, sometimes he's out of, you know, whatever. But when it happens, he's going to be there. Yeah, true. Yeah, but one point, somewhere along the line, they did get these. They were fine until whatever happened to them. I don't know that he was fine because he was an alcoholic. But yeah, she definitely was until whatever happened in Denver. Although, like I said, the way she talked about her father, I think she's been carrying baggage about that even before. Yeah. You know, although she could live with it, it seemed like he was her father was proud of her for being a Secret Service agent. So I don't know. I don't know. I own a bookstore called Bering and Sons. How many brothers? No brothers, just me. My dad thought the and Sons sounded classier. Well, he must be proud of you. Mom is. Well, did protecting the President of the United States turn him around? Yeah. 
This won't. From Denver to D.C. to a warehouse security guard in six months. Now there's a career trajectory. I don't think they were chosen for their baggage. I think they were chosen for, like you said, the way they complement each other and the way one person is skilled in one thing and the other person is skilled in another thing. But I think mm-hmm. being there is maybe helping her with her baggage, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. You know, like she talked to her boyfriend who said it wasn't her fault, he was early, she thought she was late, but he said, no, I jumped the gun, whatever happened. Right. So I think maybe that took some of the guilt away there. I'm hurt. I didn't stop you in Denver. I was late. No, bunny. I was early. I jumped the gun. You're dead, Sam. Hey, bunny. You need to get up now. You got a lot of things you need to do. Get up. Bunny, you have to get up now. Get up. Micah, get up. Yeah, I think that with each artifact of each adventure, that um, it's something that might help them deal with whatever they're dealing with. Somewhere along the line, it helps them cope or even get their mind off of certain things. It helps them in some kind of way also. Yeah, I do think it does help them. I don't think that was the purpose of them going there, but I think that's one of the outcomes of them going there. Yeah, you're right. All right, so do we have anything else that we wanted to talk about with this episode? No, no, I'm good. Okay, so we'll see you next week. All righty then. All right, bye. Bye. Question number one. Have you recently encountered something that you feel has affected your life? Question number two. While looking up, do you have the sensation of falling? Okay, question number three. Have you recently smelled something that could best be described as fudge when there is no fudge? Question four. Do you ever feel like this might be a colossal waste of time? Okay. Do you have the constant feeling that today is yesterday? You wished for a ferret. No. That was already in things. I don't think so. You uh, wished for a transfer. Impossible wishes, wishes that can never be granted, they produce a ferret. Don't ask me why. My first year here, the whole place was crawling with ferrets. Hey, this is Doug Gramley reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the 13th warehouse on Twitter and on Instagram at Eureka underscore warehouse on our website at the 13th warehouse.com or on Podbean. The music for the 13th warehouse reflections in the mirror by Esther Garcia under their standard license. See you next time in the 13th warehouse.